Welcome to Signs from the Other Side with Fern Rone. I'm your host, Fern Rone, and this is the place to share stories of signs and messages received from the other side. Before we get to the show today, just a quick and friendly reminder that if you would like to hear more episodes of Signs from the Other Side, please be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, maybe also tell a friend. Thank you so much for listening and on to the show. Linda Spellman is a psychic medium who came by her gift after a traumatic event. For many years, she was a successful marketing VP for a number of large corporations when an experience changed her life. While at a treatment center, she began to see things. Her gift was realized and there was no turning back. The light of the phoenix, as she is now known, was born. Hi, Linda. Hi, how are you? I'm good. That uh, description that's that's only a few sentences, does not remotely capture <laughs> your incredible story. I was introduced to you by our mutual friend, Myra, who has been on the show oh, three I times. Love Myra. I love her. And she asked me a while back if I'd like to interview you. And I said, you know, you seem amazing and she speaks so highly of you. But there are so many shows where people interview mediums and I didn't want Signs from the Other Side to become an interview with mediums one after the other. I want it to be for lack of a better term, regular people <laughs> like me, um, <laughs> telling their stories because so many have these stories of signs and connections and I love hearing them. But then I, I learned your incredible story. We reconnected again for some reason. Um, I did all of my Linda Spellman research and I loved hearing you on Randall Kenneth Jones show and on Sip and Listen. And there was Thank a lot you. of discussion of your gift, which we will definitely obviously talk about. But I love I love a bio. I love a timeline. So did you grow up in Atlanta? No, actually, I grew up kind of all over the place. But more okay. significantly, I grew up mostly in a little town outside of uh, San Francisco called Atherton, California. And then when I was in sixth grade, I moved to a suburb of Chicago called Lake Forest. Oh. And I really spent most of my life there. So I okay. called Chicago home. Oh, okay. I moved no. more when I was younger um, because it just because of my dad's work. And then we spent a good amount of time in San Francisco and a good amount of time in Chicago. But uh, San Francisco was, I think, the fourth place I had lived. And I got there when I was three or four. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Early years, we we moved around quite a bit. And as a child, you you did know you were psychic, right? I did. I never really thought much of it. Um, It it kind of runs in our family. And that was kind of normal for us. But as a kid you want people to like you. And when people react in an interesting way, when you say things, you learn not to say those things. And it's not an intention on anyone's part. It's just that, you know, they kind of can't help but look at you really funny when you know something that you have no way of knowing. So huh. just by natural kind of tendencies, I guess, of children, yeah, we kind of quit doing it. I always knew it. And anybody who's been really close to me throughout my life, has always known it because things have come up in one way or another that I've known something that I had no way of knowing, but I never really focused on it much. I kind of went the normal route. I I, I was ordinary. Hmm. I don't know that you could really find a more ordinary person other than the abuse. I was pretty ordinary. Right. So so growing up, did you knew like what kind of things did you? No, I feel like I almost would have tried to use it, like bewitched, like to try to impress like, <laughs> <guess> people. <laughs> well, it was funny because my um, my sisters and I have all, you know, all have a certain amount of the gift. And I just remember certain instances where we would know, for instance, our grandparents were supposed to come visit. 
and we were cleaning up and my sister and I were like, mom, why are we doing all this cleaning? And I can't remember how old I was at that point, maybe four or five and she was seven or eight. And, uh, and she said, well, you know, they're coming to visit this weekend. And we said, no, they're, they're being delayed. They're not going to get here until Monday. And the phone rang shortly after that and they were delayed and they weren't coming. <gasps> and I may be getting the specific details of this story wrong, but uh, anyone in my family will remember that one. And, you know, it was, it was normal for us. We didn't think of it as anything bizarre. Yeah. because when you, it, it's, For instance, it's kind of like when you grow up needing glasses. You don't know you need glasses until someone shows you how to see. Mm. And was anyone in the family able to show you how to see or were they, did they encourage you to, to hide it? It wasn't really encouraged either mm. way. It was, mm. again, we kind of went off the reactions. So we just, you know, went about being normal kids and doing our thing. Right. And then you, you led a normal life. You went to college. Did you major in marketing? No, actually, um, so my PTSD has been affecting my life, which I found out kind of when I went into treatment and, you know, the therapy since then for a long time. I was sexually abused as a child, and then I was raped when I went to college at 17. So oh. this was not the first assault for me, which you had asked a question earlier when we were chatting about that I went to work the next day and I didn't report it or anything. Well, in my life, it's not that unusual to be sexually assaulted. So mm-hmm. I had a big responsibility for work. But as far as um, being a kid goes, my life was about as much about survival right. uh, as about anything else. So I got very focused on the things that I needed to do and mm-hmm. the things that I needed to do to keep myself from harm. Right. And I focused on the things that I could control mm-hmm. because when you have that going on in your life, you don't feel like you can control a lot. Right. So to not to jump ahead, but you were there was a time when you were very successful marketing VP, $3 billion company, and this mm-hmm. happened. And that's the event that, that you could say was the, was the pivotal point. But exactly. that pivotal point, th- that event was something you had already experienced. Yes, it was basically as a survivor mm-hmm. of sexual assault and childhood sexual assault, it's common, from what I hear, to bury it, mm-hmm. to forget about it, to just ignore it to go on with your life and mm-hmm. you don't realize the effect that it's having on you. You don't mm-hmm. realize the, uh, it kind of leaves you with this sense of low self-worth mm-hmm. as if you have one value in life and that's what it is. So you kind of act as if you're making up for a deficit that you've been told you have. Right. And right. when you hear things enough, you start to believe them, they become truth, even though they've never been reality. So I was good at work. And for a period, I was very good at sports. So those were the things that I really focused on because I knew I was good at them. The social aspect of my life, I didn't know I was good at. So I was very, I made some poor choices. I went way more heavily into alcohol than I should have, experimented with some other things when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But I buckled down and I did what I knew I could do, and that was work. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting my undergraduate and my graduate degree while I was working full-time as a single mom. And focused on that. And through that period of time, what I didn't realize at that time is I basically had become addicted to work and addicted to food as ways to control my environment. So when all of this was happening, I got to this last position that I had. I've worked with some really wonderful companies and with some really amazing people. And I was working at this last company, which was just 
a fantastic company, but there was mm-hmm. a lot of stress involved. Mm-hmm. And I decided there was a turning point that happened when I was working there. So through this whole, all these years of, of working and eating, I had gotten quite heavy. And I decided, I was about 52, 53, when I decided I was going to start eating right and exercising. Mm-hmm. And I kind of realized during that point that I had tried to make myself invisible because if somebody couldn't see me, then they couldn't hurt me. Right. But I did do that consciously. Our subconscious does so much. This whole journey has been quite fascinating with learning about that. So I hired a trainer, started eating right and exercising. I had lost about 70 pounds. I started actually being social and realizing that, okay, maybe I don't have to hide to keep from being hurt. Yeah. And it was right around then that I went out one night and I was drugged and raped. Well, I am so sorry. And the thing that makes it, I mean, even worse is that you were finally feeling good. Like, doesn't life just like smack you to the ground, right? When you think it's, it's, you're on yeah. an upswing. Yep. I, you know, when people say, I, I'm afraid I'm going to miss the signs, I'm here to tell you that if you're missing any signs, they'll make sure to put you on the path that you're supposed to be on. And it was a very difficult summer. I, I went through some other personal, very, very difficult challenges that summer in terms of family illness and mm-hmm. accidents and things like that uh, in a three-month time period. And this happened. And yes, I went to work the next day. I've heard that on the, on Randall Kenneth Jones show. And I, I replayed it because I was like, it's so, the world should hear this because if ever there's a doubt of, well, she, you know, she didn't text a friend. She didn't immediately Mm -hmm. go to the police. She didn't immediately go to the hospital. She didn't, she didn't document it with corroborating evidence. It's not the same as being robbed. It's not the same as any other crime that we think of it's so personal and it's so private and it's so different and and the world needs to understand that yeah it breaks my heart because people are saying you know they didn't realize that some of these things that have gone public over the last year or two are extremely triggering for people who have been a victim of sexual assault because I promise never once has there been photographic evidence of me being raped they usually don't do it out in public with cameras rolling exactly when you say where's the evidence Mm-hmm. Well, unless you're a complete idiot, mm-hmm. you're not going to have somebody filming when you sexually assault someone. Exactly. So for me, at that point in my life, I was like, oh, well, I have to work. That's what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. I had an overblown obligation to please everybody at work, to my job, mm-hmm. and a sense of responsibility that is part of me. That's my integrity. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. And I had a big project. I was launching an enormous project. It was probably one of the bigger projects this company had launched in three or four or five years. And I had 100 people across the organization working on this kind of in their spare time. They were very dedicated to it and had helped me get this far. And we were you know, months away from launching something that had taken three years to put together. So I, probably, to I can't let these people down. I can't you go know, to the exactly. Right. And that speaks no. to, yeah. That you, that you found your worth in achievement and yeah. And I wow. didn't know who I was outside of that. I, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that at the time, but I mean, the good news is that the project launched and it went really well. And yeah. I told a few people at work, but I didn't, I didn't know really what else to do. I just kind of put it in the back of my mind as if it was going to go away. But it did. And, and yeah. people started to notice how, how it was, how it was manifesting. So were exactly. you, yeah. Were you drinking more or? 
I was, it was first mm-hmm. it started manifesting in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just on guard with everything. I was very, I took everything personally. I was, I was just afraid. I didn't trust people. I didn't trust my own feelings. I was being overwhelmed with all of these emotions that I didn't really understand. I -hmm. found out later that it was basically emotional flashbacks. So it's not remembering the event and the events that happened throughout my life, but it was, it was feeling all of the emotions associated with the event. So I just wanted to make it stop. I'm like, I have work to do. I need to stop this. So I was not, I was never really a big drinker. I mean, I really didn't drink much of anything for 15 years Mm -hmm. and so I did start going out and I started drinking on a more regular basis and it just, I was trying to escape. I was trying to escape in anything I could. Yeah. I was not comfortable. I was, I, I was hyper-focused. So I hyper-focused on this one project I was doing and kind of let other projects go because I was so overwhelmed. I couldn't do more than one thing. And I have always been like the queen of multitasking. I could do 10 things and then in my dreams, I could handle another six. <laughs> but I just, I was not in that place anymore. My mind could do one thing and that's yeah. it. And it was hard to focus and I kept getting distracted. And yeah, ultimately my boss pulled me aside and it was probably six months later or seven months later at this point. And he said, you know, we're worried about you. You're not as engaged as you usually are. And I've always tried to be open to feedback and really listen to what's being said to me. And when I went home and kind of played this in my head as I was like, you know what, he's right. Mm. And I started, I went out and sought help. When you did go away to this facility, was it for three months? How long was it for? It was for, I was originally going to go for 30 days, but when I got there and realized um, I had no idea who I was, I had been trying to be who I needed to be for everybody else my whole life, because that's, when you go through trauma, when you go through abuse, that's what you are trained to do Mm -hmm. is to keep yourself safe. You make people happy and you lose yourself in that process. And I think even people who haven't gone through trauma have a tendency to do that Mm -hmm. these days. Uh, Part of the reason I tell my story is to let people know that you need to make sure that you know who you are and you don't lose yourself in the process of life Mm -hmm. because you are you for a reason. And the world needs you for a reason. Did your, at that point, you, you have a daughter, she's grown, she has children, you have grandchildren, you took mm-hmm. them to Disney every year. I know you described that as you would take them for 10 days, go crazy. And you would say, I work all yeah. year for this, <laughs> which you realize now is that's not the way it should be. Um, but yeah. did they know why you were, what happened and why you were going away for, for was the at facility the time, on your home? They didn't know the reason. So I'm extremely close with my daughter and my grandchildren, uh, especially my older granddaughters, because they spent every weekend with me. We we were just really close. I was kind of like a second mom to them. Mm -hmm. And I I just adore these kids. Mm. And, but they were still a little bit on the young side to understand Mm -hmm. what had happened. And I also didn't want them to be afraid of the world. Mm-hmm. So my daughter and I work together to figure out what to tell them and how much to tell them. Now they know mm-hmm. uh, because it's been a while longer and they're in, it's coming up on 15 and 16 now. Mm-hmm. So, but that was the hardest part yeah. for me, honestly. Yeah. Did you see them during that time? 
No, because I was I went to treatment. I ended up being in treatment for 60 days because after 30 days I signed yeah. up for another 30 at the um, recommendation of my psychiatrist and therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in Arizona, mm, which okay. turned out to be quite magical from a, a opening up my psychic medium ability standpoint. Yeah. But it made it difficult for for them to come and see me. What would you recommend to someone who? who is experiencing PTSD, trying to hide it, trying to work, trying to live their life. I would what say, honestly, you don't have to live like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And even if you're not experiencing PTSD as you know it, you might be. If you're mm-hmm. not happy, just start there. If you're not happy, get some help. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in seeking help. The shame is in all of these people who are living an unhappy life and think that's what they have to do. Right. You don't have to live in an environment and in circumstances that don't fulfill you. Because if you're not happy, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So perfect. And that doesn't mean you have to be giddy happy every minute of the day. That's not mm-hmm. realistic. But we are kind of as a society, we still shame mental health. This mm-hmm. is one of the reasons I talk. This is one of the reasons on my Instagram, on my Facebook, I flat out say right there, I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I advertise that I just got my service dog because the shame is not mine to carry and it's mm-hmm. not yours to carry either. Right. And we right. have to stop treating it as something, if somebody had cancer, you wouldn't treat them as if they were a pariah because exactly. they didn't ask for it. Mental health is the same. Mm-hmm. And we have to start treating people better. But mm-hmm. Again, part of my purpose, I know my purpose is to give people hope. That's how I summarize my purpose. Mm. And it's not just being a psychic medium and allowing people to connect with family and friends that have crossed over and allowing them to give messages for how people should be living their lives and appreciative of themselves and how wonderful they are. Mm-hmm. It's also to let people know that there is hope. In any situation. That's what's so amazing is the work that you've done to see that this life-changing night, you have such perspective about it. You said, you know, you were redirected. You wish it didn't happen that way, but you know Mm -hmm. that, that it happened for a reason to redirect you. And so what can other people do that to give them that gift of perspective and seeing certain events in their lives as a meaningful redirection on their path? was I'm sure the work continues, but is there anything specifically that you did? There's a couple things. Um, one is to look at the past with clarity. Whenever we lose something, we tend to just see the best parts of it and forget the parts that weren't great. Even in relationships, when we lose a relationship, we tend to look at all the wonderful things we lost and we forget to see with clarity that maybe it wasn't so good as we thought. If you start looking at that relationship and say, what did that person do that annoyed me? Mm-hmm. Just ask yourself that. <laughs> You'll start coming up with a lot of answers. That's, that's all I can remember way. about this. <laughs> I don't it's have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, but seriously, if somebody, if, if you lose somebody, somebody dumps you in the first five days after that, mm-hmm. you can be heartbroken. Right. But if you ask yourself, what did that person do that really annoyed me? Mm-hmm. It is one of the fastest ways to get perspective. Yes. Even off if you lose your job. Mm-hmm. What are the things I really didn't like about that job? Yeah. Because you can learn from that. You can learn 
what didn't you like so you know what to look for when you go to get another job to make sure you don't find yourself in that situation again. Because if that job was right for you, you'd still be in it. That's not the way God works. I personally am a Christian. Whatever your belief system, it's not the way the universe works. If somebody or something was meant to be in your life, it'll be there. Exactly. And I think sometimes it takes time. Like I'll look back and I'll be like, I thought I was rejected, but I always redirected to whatever Mm -hmm. I was supposed to learn and whatever makes would make me happier. God, I think God, I think the universe wants you to be happy. Um, yes. And that's what we all want. And and I've never, my husband and I always say rejection is God's protection and and it's redirection. Yes, and it's and amazing I completely agree with that. How you, yeah, go ahead. How you see your path, but yeah. You know, from a societal perspective, from a media perspective, they're trying to homogenize all of us. The worst, thing we can do is to follow the path that someone else made for us Mm -hmm. because we were made unique and original for a reason amen the farther you walk away from who you were born to be Mm -hmm. the less happy you're going to be and the more the world is missing out absolutely everyone should embrace the weird things they like the weird things you like and are interested in are drawn to is your calling it's your exactly and don't don't be embarrassed don't be afraid or ashamed embrace exactly. it because the world never changes mm-hmm. in a massive way exploration and discovery that leads to these new inventions and the new ways of life have never happened from someone who is acting like everybody else it just doesn't work that way it's people so who have the bravery and the courage to be different i'm an mba and a psychic medium i love I it very different response now when I say I'm a psychic medium than I used to get when I said I was a VP of marketing. But I don't care. Exactly. I was just going to yell, who cares? <laughs> my purpose is to help people and give people mm-hmm. hope. And I've been given this gift and led in this direction to do just that. Mm-hmm. And I cannot let somebody else determine how I feel about myself anymore. While you were getting treatment is when you started to to see things even more than you did you start to see kind of people like you, people. you your whole life you kind of um were psychic but now you were starting to see people it, while at right. the treatment center So really uh prior to this I was psychic I was more clear cognizant which is basically a clear knowing mm-hmm. so I would know things that I had no way of knowing So I I had that this whole seeing people that aren't there and talking to dead people, mm-hmm. totally new. So mm-hmm. when I was there, again, I got to treatment and somehow I knew I was not going to be able to go back to my job. I, I still could not do it. I couldn't do the multitasking. I, I am not the same person. I do not have the same skills and abilities. I, I don't because I still suffer with severe PTSD. But I also knew that my purpose was to help people. I've always tried to be that person in life. I've not always succeeded because I am human mm-hmm. and I've made mistakes. I've made lots of mistakes in my life, but I knew that whatever I was going to do next was going to be about helping people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's fabulous. I have just lost, you know, as far as I knew my ability to make an income. Mm-hmm. And then I started seeing people. Were you scared? Thought, you know, not really. 
I think because, again, the whole psychic thing was so new to me, and I knew that they weren't standing there. They weren't physical. It was more the, um, I could almost see through them, but I could see the features, kind of the silhouettes. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I'm in a facility for mental health, (laughs) and I'm seeing people that aren't there. This cannot be good. Mm -hmm. And I thought, they're going to move me in permanently. Um, but luckily I was, I, I mean, I knew it, I knew it was somebody that wasn't there. Luckily there is a, somebody there that worked there that understood the metaphysical world. And I started talking to him about it and he started validating the people I was seeing mm-hmm. and the events that I was seeing were tied to things that had happened on that land. Oh, in so, he, days. so he could confirm because he could yes. see them as well. He couldn't see them, but as I was describing them, he knew the history of that land. He knew the history okay. of that property, and he validated for me what I was seeing, the events I was seeing, who I was seeing. Like, like you know, there was once a lady who did this on the yeah. lawn, and you were describing, okay. Yes. And he was open to it. He wasn't one of those yes. people who were like, this is crazy. Thank exactly. God he was there. Like, of all uh, the yes. you could have exactly. gone to, and exactly. all the people you I could have met, lucky. do you happen to keep was- in touch with him? You know, there's there's a rule that you can't yeah. keep in touch with patients. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so I, I wasn't able to, and unfortunately, he doesn't work there anymore because I think mm-hmm. it's a period of two years or something. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I believe God placed him in my path so that I could have these discussions with him. And oh, then he God. started kind of quizzing me about what I was getting in certain places on the property. And he said, I said, I'm kind of good at this. And he goes, are you kidding me? With no training, you're fantastic at this. <laughs> and I was this is not the direction I saw my life going um, four years ago if you had said I'm going to be sitting here talking to you doing a podcast about how I'm a psychic medium I would have laughed in your face <laughs> I can't believe it was only four years I feel like that's a blip but it, so it, much I mean, has happened it's been incredible the journey uh, a lot of it's very painful Mm-hmm. But it's been incredible, and it's been such a blessing. I can't look at anything that's happened, even my childhood trauma. I believe that I'm so good at what I do because as a child, I dissociated through the trauma, just like as an adult, I dissociated mm-hmm. through trauma. It's very common. But I think as a child, you still have one foot on the other side. Mm-hmm. And when you dissociate, I personally believe you go back to the other side. So my connection with the other side was so easy, mm-hmm. and that even back to my childhood trauma has all been building to me being able to help people in this way. So when did you, when you got out of the treatment facility, you went, were you able to go back to your apartment or your, wherever you lived or did you move? Like, how did you readjust? I ended up moving to California to continue uh, treatment. Mm -hmm. I went back to my apartment just for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. That's where the assault had occurred. Mm So, um, they were really nice about letting me out. And the first thing they said was, you know, did, was there something wrong with security? And, and they were very nice because it had nothing to do with them. And I moved to California to finish my treatment and uh, find specific therapists that were skilled with my kind of PTSD and my particular type of trauma. And so I, I continue my therapy now. I'm mm-hmm. you know, very limited in what I can do, how many hours I can do readings, all of that because I do still struggle mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis mm-hmm. with the PTSD and the symptoms of PTSD. Mm-hmm. But it, it truly has been a blessing 
and uh, I've met some pretty amazing people here. I, I still go to therapy every week, and I am not afraid to share that because I don't think anybody should be afraid to share that they go to therapy. Right, yeah. Nobody's, nobody's hesitant about saying, I'm going to the dentist exactly. or I'm going to the doctor. I'm going to the gym. You maintain your right. health. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. I'm not going to you know, be shy about that because we've got to stop, and I want to be an example of that for people. You know, my, as I said, my purpose is to give people hope, and then I see that I'm able to do that, and that is incredibly rewarding. Yeah, what are some of your favorite, do you have some favorite readings that you've done or any that stand I out? <laughs> I do. I have so many, actually, but there's a couple that come to mind. One of my favorites was recently, because my skills continue to grow, mm-hmm. the things that I can do, uh, they just kind of pop up because I have opened this channel to be able to help people. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a phone reading, um, gosh, I guess it was a couple months, and it was a normal phone reading. I have clients all over the world, so I do readings by virtual online. It's Zoom, so it's kind of like Skype. I have clients in Australia, you know, England, but this particular one was over the phone, and it was uh, three sisters. And so I just, you know, I went into my normal and I said, you know, my throat really hurts, the front of my throat, and I feel like I'm intubated. And she started crying and she said, "Um, that's our mom. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I went to continue getting messages from the other side, like, you know, Mm -hmm. that I normally do, and they'll give validation and everything. But I stopped and I said, is she still alive but in a coma? And they said yes. And it was the first time that I've read someone who's Mm -hmm. alive in a coma and she was spending time back and forth mm-hmm. and I was able and I still get emotional talking about it mm-hmm. I was able to say goodbye to her girls for her because she was saying that her time was near and mm-hmm. um, a lot of very very specific details and validation and wow. I was so humbled by the experience I still it, these kind of things are really it, you feel completely ill-equipped and unworthy to be the role that you're in at these times Mm -hmm. Um, but I will never ever ever forget it wow that must have been so there were three sisters on the call Mm -hmm. and and their mom was experiencing this and what they must have felt so in limbo and you must have given them such comfort they were they were so grateful and they were so wonderful and um and you know their mom was saying that that her time was near and she passed mm-hmm. away the next morning. Um, wow! It, but they were—they're a wonderful family, and I just—I'm incredibly honored to have been able to do that and being able to help people who have a loved one that's in a coma and be able to help them say goodbye mm-hmm. is something that I again I didn't anticipate being able to do, mm-hmm. but it was—it was a blessing. It was—it was incredible. I'll never forget. I'll what never a, forget that. What a gift for you and them. Amazing. Exactly. Exactly. It's it, Some of these get hard to get over. It takes some time to get over because, mm-hmm. it, again, it, it, it's so extraordinarily humbling to have mm-hmm. been blessed to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And then you have ones that go completely the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. I have a woman who came in. Uh, her husband had passed away, and he is the funniest spirit I have ever <laughs> talked to. 
I love, she comes back on a regular basis and she brings her daughter back on a regular basis, but he is hilarious. He literally was putting on superhero costumes and he was so entertaining. Turns out he was an entertainer. He was on stage all the time. He brought through his personality so much and he was like that. He would get serious, but he loved to make people laugh, especially her. And he always brings through specific details of what's going on in her life since her last reading. But he just has this energy. I'm smiling talking about him because you know those people that you get around them and you can't not smile? Mm-hmm. He is that person, and mm-hmm. whenever I get to do a reading with him, it's amazing. He is just, and, and yeah, he, it was like so a good funny. time. <laughs> it was amazing, yeah. and I have never laughed so hard in a reading. I was laughing so hard I was crying, and so <laughs> was she. And it, it, she's like, I did not expect things to go this way, <laughs> and oh. I said me either. But it was exactly what she needed. Yeah, and it's validation that he's still him. Yes. Yes, yeah. and I, I have the phrase that I use on my website called one more moment with the ones you love because mm-hmm. they do come through with their personalities and I've had so many clients tell me I feel like I just spent time with my mom or with my husband or with my brother because they do come through with their personalities intact. Mm-hmm. And I would say one of my other favorite stories is, I have so many of them. I get so excited talking about this because it's just, you it. watch people change sitting across from you or on the phone hearing them. Uh, there was one woman who came in, and she's late 20s maybe, early 30s. Sometimes spirits, they will give my clients something to watch out for to know that it's them mm-hmm. um, and just to be a sign that they're with them. Mm-hmm. So this uh, this woman, her sister actually came through. And she was giving me a sign of hot air balloons, like when she sees hot air balloons to know that that's her. And I thought, well, that's really random. And how often (laughs) that makes it such a good one, though. Yeah, hot air balloons. And I thought, really, you want me to say hot air balloons? And she was like, yes. I'm like, okay. And they always say it's not just an actual hot air balloon. It Mm -hmm. could be a picture on the side of a bus or whatever. But seriously, how often do you see hot air balloons? Exactly. And so her sister was my client. Was like, okay. And I said, oh, I don't know. This she's saying, and I just I always pass along what they say, whether it makes any sense or not. Well, she emailed me like 30 minutes later. She says, I just got home, and I don't know why I didn't think of it, but I have exactly two pictures in my bedroom, and this was one of them. And it was a caricature of a bear in a hot air balloon. Wow. And I, I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, that's incredible. It, and I just, love that it, you said it doesn't have to be an actual hot air, like she doesn't have to walk outside and see a hot air balloon. Right, like exactly. Someone exactly. will send her, a, you know, like a card or a meme or a, and they'll, you know, it could be like that. That's, that's a sign. That's incredible. Yeah. It, it, it's it, all of these things because it means something mm-hmm. to them. It's specific. It mm-hmm. is something that, again, I couldn't possibly know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it it means something to them and it stays with them because yeah. it's personal. Do you receive any signs from loved ones? I don't. And I don't try to mm. um, because I don't think that's why I have this gift. Mm. I think I have it to help others. Right. right. And that's one of the things that I've learned is to be okay with not being in control. Mm. And that was the hardest lesson for me as a type A person mm-hmm. to just to be a psychic medium in general. The first thing I had to do was stop trying. 
Mm. When you tell a type A person to stop trying, they're like, what? Oh, I know. I I'm working on that. that. <laughs> yeah. I'm working on, re on releasing, which is so hard. I feel like I'm constantly gripping. Like You know, it's hard, but it is incredibly freeing. Yeah. Because think about it as a person who's also always been very hard on herself. One of the things for me is when I was like, oh, what if I don't do it right? What if I don't do it right? Well, the mm -hmm. thing is, I'm not doing anything. I can't take credit for this. As someone who's really hard on herself, which I am, I would have always like, what if I don't do it right? What if I don't do it right? Mm -hmm. But then I realized I'm not doing anything. Mm. I can't take credit for this. Yeah. I, I personally, again, I believe in God. I believe God gave me this gift in order to help people. Mm -hmm. And he opened it up at the right time in order for me to help people. And by knowing that it's not my gift, I kind of tell people I'm the volume button on the radio. I just turn the messages up so you can hear them. But then That's I also have to stop blaming myself yeah. <laughs> because I'm not doing it. So if a message doesn't come that they're looking for or, um, yeah. or I've had twice in all the readings I've done, I've had twice where I couldn't get anybody. It was the same person. Like you said, come back later in the week. Yeah. And come back. Yeah. Yes. And I, I just, I was getting nothing. Hmm. And the old me would have beat myself up about that. Yeah. But the new me was like, I, I don't know if it's just not the right time in her life mm -hmm. or maybe something else needs to happen before she gets this information or maybe she's supposed to meet someone else who's a reader. So mm -hmm. because I couldn't get anything, she'll go to them. Yeah. So I gave her money back and, and you know, I, I don't, I don't know the wise, but the thing is now I don't need to. Yeah. How freeing. And, we Absolutely. find ourselves and there's no shame looking that. for the why and you spend so much time doing that but what does it really get you yeah and there's no shame you know like such a type a personality would be like i can't tell this story because it doesn't you know exactly. my should be perfect but you can tell the right. story because you know it's not you exactly yeah. exactly and uh she this happened with her and then one other time i couldn't get anything but I mean, I've done so many readings. Yeah, yeah, and that and again, happens. Yeah, I I don't know why, and uh, but that's, that's okay. okay. I don't need to. Yeah, I make it right for the client, and that's all I can do. Yeah, because I learned that I don't know nearly as much as they do. Yeah, on what's supposed to happen in life. Yeah, you're amazing. I'm working Where on can... a couple of books right now, so I'm hoping. Yeah, I was going to say, of... are you writing a book? I'm I'm, I'm working on a couple. Mm -hmm. um, at some point, I, I do want to write a book about my, my story mm -hmm. and get into more details about my childhood, about um, kind of how this whole thing happened, and it's interesting. But yeah. I also want to write, I'm looking to write a book about uh, kind of what I've learned from heaven mm -hmm. and the really kind of amazing perspective on certain illnesses, on things that people don't know. For instance, the fact that these people in a coma are spending time on the other side, they're going back and forth. So they are with family on the other side. They're not alone, just hanging out in a coma. Mm -hmm. um, right. I mean, there's, there are things like that that I've learned that can be really, really helpful for mm -hmm. people here who have families in those situations. Yeah. You have to write these books. I can't wait I to do. read them. Yeah. And where can everyone find you? So my website is uh, www.lightofthephoenix.com. Mm -hmm. And I also have Instagram, which is light underscore of underscore the underscore phoenix. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Facebook is Light of the Phoenix One. Okay. Basically, what my Facebook and Instagram are, as I realized that when I started doing these readings, that when spirits come through for my clients, they say some really beautiful things. Mm-hmm. So I started uh, taking quotes. So mm-hmm. if you know a father comes through and says something for his daughter or his son, I will take a quote and I call them messages from beyond. Mm-hmm. And my basically almost my entire Instagram or Facebook is really just those quotes mm-hmm. that, uh, that everyone can learn from. Yeah, and be inspired by. Mm-hmm. Right, because I think there's a lot of broken people in this world that could just mm-hmm. use some kind words. Yeah, and. I know that I can't say some of these things, and some of them are very simple, mm-hmm. but they can still be very helpful. And there are very mm-hmm. few that I put out there that it, at least one person doesn't say, I still needed to see this today. Yeah. And if one person says that, then I'm happy. Yes. And I love the name of, and I'll put all of these in the sh- in the show notes, but I love the name, The Light of the Phoenix. It's so meaningful. Yes. For me, it was basically I was the phoenix because my life as I knew it burned around me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have my job. I didn't have my family. I didn't have my home. And I didn't know what my future was going to be. And I was able to rise from the ashes and I'm trying to be a light for others. So that's why I named it Light of the Phoenix. It's perfect. It's perfect. I was very happy when it was available. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yes. What are the chances that that would be available on? I know. (laughs) It's great. It's great. It's perfect. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. And you're inspiring and helping so many people. And thank you for sharing your story here. Well, thank you for having me on. I was honored to be here. Honored to have you. And we have to keep in touch. Definitely. I would love that. Thank you so much for listening to Signs from the Other Side. You can find me, Fern Rone, on all social media at Fern Rone, R-O-N-A-Y. I love hearing from you and I love hearing your stories of signs. And if you would like to hear more episodes of this show, please be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts. Thank you again and sweet dreams.